Welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 311. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, man, it's one that is long, long overdue. I've been at this, what, seven and a half years? I'm just now getting around to this one? That's insane. My guest this week is Casey Hyde. And Casey is a registered nurse. She works in endocrinology. And she also happens to be one of my best friends. And the reason that I say that it's weird that it's taken us this long to do this is we were co-hosts on the radio on KCSU. You'd think my brain would immediately be like, oh, you know what would make for good radio? Talking to my old radio co-host. I fancy myself a smart guy, but my God, sometimes your brain just doesn't fire the way that you hope that it will. The important thing is we're doing it now. And on this week's show, we talk about her work as a nurse. We talk about why she was interested in nursing. We talk a lot about diabetes, and I'll tell you, having a diabetic cat, I learned quite a bit about diabetes. I learned even more in this chat. This is more than I have ever known at any one time about diabetes, and the reason is Casey. Casey is great at what she does. She is conscientious. She's smart. She's insightful, and she's lived with diabetes now since she was 12 years old. So that's a long time to gain experience, gain insight. And we're blessed to have her share it with us here. We also talk about our time in student media together at KCSU, hosting the show together, drinking on the air. Sorry to any former station manager or program director that is listening to this and is just now having what I suspect is their suspicions confirmed. Yes, Casey brought in a huge suitcase full of CDs. Also in there, beer. What are you going to do? We're the punk rock show. What do you expect? We're troublemakers. We don't like rules that much. So... We do what we do. Now, a quick note about this episode that's kind of unusual. You'll hear the audio quality change in the middle of it. And the reason for that is Casey came down from Fort Collins. We were recording this episode and everything was fine. My wife was going to pick up the kids from school. We had a babysitter coming. We were all just hanging out together before we were going to go see Lagwagon down at the Marquee Theater. Well, that all kind of went to hell. And Kristen, my wife, had a work crisis. So she called me up. We had to stop the interview halfway through, and we had to pivot the whole evening. Kristen didn't even make it to Lagwagon, which she was really disappointed about, because the show was outrageously good. So much fun. I love this band, and they put on just an absolutely killer show that night. But halfway through the episode, we stop recording. We pick it back up like 11 days later. So I even note it in the middle. You'll hear me come on and talk about it. I tried to make it as minimally disruptive as possible. Figure I should pay some heed to that before you get into the episode. Now, we'll start here in just a second, but first, gotta pay some love to my sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Whether you're building a website, building some sort of outreach campaign, using social media, marketing tools, using advertising tools, using email, whatever it is, 4Degrees can get your message in front of the people who need to see and hear it most, and they can do it at a cost that's very attractive. They're fabulous at what they do. It's a phenomenal company, and I'm proud to feature them here. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Now then, let's get to this week's episode, because it's a good one. It's with one of my favorite people, Casey Hyde, 
registered nurse, working in an endocrinology clinic, my former punk rock co-host, and frequent show-going buddy, and just all around one of the best, brightest, and most sunshiny people I have the privilege of associating with. Episode 311 with Casey Hyde starts right now. I think you told me about gang. No, no, that would be Jason. Was, yeah, it was Jason. Totally. Be- because Jason, he's all in on that band. And yeah, so, didn't they open for somebody recently? I don't know about that. Uh, but are you going to Face to Face in the Bouncing Souls and the Suicide Machines? Yes. You are? What yes. night? Probably a Friday. Okay, good. We're going to that one, too. Are you? Yeah. Yes. And so, you know who's opening for that is No Bueno. Oh. No Bueno, you, you may not recognize it under that name, but a couple of the guys from Step Short. No way. Are in no way. Ah, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so that'll be good. How was work today? And what's a day look like for you? Today was an all right day. I was supposed to have an RN meeting. So there's only uh, so many nurses in all the endocrinology clinics. Uh-huh. And we were all going to meet up today and kind of talk about workflows and how things are going and how we can optimize workflow. <laughs> uh, but it got canceled. That sounds glamorous as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all work at different offices, so we don't see each other all the time. Right. Uh, so it was kind of exciting, but it got canceled. And that's because there's so much COVID happening right now that <laughs> we're going to get... W- w- they're asking us to work shifts at the hospital. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Oh, my gosh. It's really it's really intense. It's really unfortunate that, that here is where we are Like, right why now. is it here? That's what I don't understand. We have such a high vaccination rate. Me, too. We did fine with vaccinations. And I guess, you know, Colorado's got its pockets, but I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, but not where you live do. and not where I live. Right. Like, that. that's generally pretty highly vaccinated territory. That's true. Larimer County is in at 70%, though. No? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we're slightly under, but... <laughs> so Okay. but So you're not at like 45, though? No. No, no. Okay. Not at all. But all our hospitals are all full right now. Yeah. It's really it's really amazing. Yeah. So being a clinic nurse, and I've been a clinic nurse like all my life, uh-huh. um, but I'm going to go work in the hospital next week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean for your clinic people then? Essentially, I'm going to do it on the weekend. Cause, oh, Jesus. Really? Yeah. They're going to give all kinds of like bonus pay and overtime okay. pay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that up. So you're going to inflict a little bit of short-term pain on yourself <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, for some financial benefit and to do some good for society when you for get right sure, down to it. For sure. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in it. We're training two new nurses. So there's not a whole lot of people that can cover me at this point. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's nice to feel needed. That's for sure. But it'll be an experience being in the <laughs> hospital for sure. Did you ever do any rounds in a hospital? Like Mm-mm. none? Nope. I did. Um, I did my last part of nursing school. I did a little bit of a stint in oncology floor. Okay. So that was pretty cool. I got yeah. to at least see what it's like to be a hospital nurse. But when I graduated, I applied to a bunch of hospitals and nobody wanted to hire a brand new grad. So. Huh. Well, I'll bet they do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'd rather have an experienced nurse, but. Well, sure. But I, I'm... they're all retiring because they don't want to be working right now. <laughs> well, and from what I understand, I mean, there's a shortage like and a lot of burnout like in this field. So, so much burnout and understandably so, because yeah. I mean, like 
so much of this is like self-inflicted wounds that I, I imagine you can only see that so much mm-hmm. before you go, man, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Yeah, it's really hard on people. Really hard on those nurses in the ICU and the emergency department. I can't even imagine. I'm super lucky to be in the clinic. I'm lucky to be helping people, helping people stay out of the hospitals. Yeah. I'm in a really good spot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is Casey Hyde. You are a registered nurse. You work in an endocrinology clinic. You are one of my best friends and my former co-host. Yes. So it's high time we did this. It's really great to be back on the mic with you, Johnny. (laughs) It's been too long, man, because we were on the mic together for how long up at KCSU? That was like, because like you were doing bipolar before I came on, right? I was doing like surf, ska, and punk show. Okay. With like Skip and and America? Yes. Okay. Yep. And then America was getting, I think Skip graduated or something, didn't he? Yep. I think Skip left. And then America was going off to do the TV station. Right. Like run it, I think. Yeah. Administration. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. She she became management. She did. And, uh, which is where she belongs. Probably. Yeah. That (laughs) sounds about right. Um, she told me later that when she was working at like NBC in San Francisco, yeah. she goes, taking so much crap from all you like a-holes uh, <laughs> at KCSU, <laughs> like really just toughened me up and like, I, no one could rattle me out that's there. That's perfect. And I thought that's hilarious. And also I'm sorry. Right. Like, <laughs> yep. For sorry whatever role that. I played in that. <laughs> so yeah, I came on, I want to say I started that in like 2002, maybe. Because I think I got trained at KCSU in like fall of 2001. Mm-hmm. Were you there before that? I think I, yeah, I think I was. I think I was there definitely a semester okay. before we started bar- bipolar. Yeah, because I... Maybe two. I, I got down there like for that giant KCSU 101 that was in that like mm-hmm. one of the Clark rooms. Oh, yeah. And there were like 200 kids like wanting to sign up yes. for the radio. Um, I was part of that wave. Okay. And so then I auditioned. I didn't get trained until like November. And I was just like down in the music office reviewing CDs and stuff and just hanging out. And yeah. Whatever, right? Um, and then I got trained. I auditioned. And then I had my show that spring semester. And it was like midnight to two uh-huh. on Wednesday mornings. Yeah. What was your first shift? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was 10, 10 to midnight. Okay. That right. would be specialty show though. No, it was during the week. Yeah, I know. So was mine. Oh. Well, who knows? But right? I anyway, I think you beat me down there. I think I did. Okay. What brought you down there? Like, why go to the radio? Because it was funny. Pe- people have heard my story a billion times, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think I even know yours. It's pretty good. I was in the health and exercise science department, and that's what I wanted to do. Ah, uh, yes, big in student media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess I hadn't figured it out yet when I first started. So my first two years at college, I was. You know, taking all kinds of classes, just seeing what I wanted to do. But it was America, man. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, how did you know her? So we met. Oh, this is great. Brings it all around. So we met in a diabetes in college seminar (laughs) in Denver. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we were both going to the Barbara Davis Center, which is a big hub for diabetes care in Denver. They're really into research, doing a lot of great things. Uh, but we were both going there, and they had a diabetes in college seminar, so that's where I met Marika. And then uh, she recognized me walking around on CSU's campus, and uh-huh. 
So we we started talking. Wow, just and... bold like that too. <laughs> yeah, she's like, like, "Hey, I'm like, I don't know who you are. Remember the diabetes in college thing?" I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> great to see you, dude. What a like cool move and like way to put yourself out there too. <laughs> For sure, America's the best. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so we we started. Yeah, she was like, "You like you like music? You should come on the radio with me." I was like, <laughs> "Yes, please." You're like, "Okay." It was amazing. Yep. Okay, so the way I met Mariko was she was she went to high school with my roommate uh, freshman year, <laughs> and like they would call each other and stuff. And he was like, my roommate was really obnoxious to her, which I found hilarious given oh, no. what I knew like about Mariko later. Yeah, I'm like why does she tolerate this? Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's high school. Like it's kind of this closed ecosystem where you, there's not a lot you can do about it, and you kind of hang on to it for a little while. That's pretty true. And so. Uh, I knew her and then I found out you guys were pals and I go, oh man, okay. So this person's intersecting with me again in yes. a n- brand new way. Wow. <laughs> and so, um, there was a guy in my dorm who had been at KCSU and he goes, yeah, I just go down there and I can play anything I want. I go, anything you want. <laughs> he goes, I have an overnight shift and, and I go, so I could just go down there and like make a show. And he goes, yeah, pretty much. Yes. And, and I go, get out of here. That sounds unreal. Mm-hmm. So I got trained and I go, this is perfect. It's so cool. I'm yeah. so glad I was involved in, in media. Me it too. It was such a good experience. Yeah, it was it was absolutely perfect. And then we got together after Merica and Skip left the, the show. Mm-hmm. And like we were kind of gifted that name, Bipolar. Yeah. Like it wasn't our... We, we didn't come up with that. Right. But I felt like it suited the tone of the show well because in terms of DJ styles, I was much more sort of bombastic and... You know, outspoken and really obnoxious, and you were a little bit more low key and a little bit more understated. For sure, we were we were definitely bipolar. <laughs> and then, what the funniest part though was, in terms of musical taste, yeah, you were like hardcore. Ooh, that's true. So, and I was like much more poppy. Yes, like I'm like, let's play more Yellow Card, and you're like, let's play more Small Brown Bike or Poison yes. the Well. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, ah, uh, okay. Which was perfect. Yeah. It was so good for a punk rock show. Yeah, it all it, like it all worked. Like it, and it was funny because as I think back on it, we tend to be drawn to people who are a lot like us, and in many really important ways, mm-hmm. we're super similar to each other. Right. But in other really like pronounced ways, we're totally different. It's very true. And so that makes the show work in a lot of ways because we're both bringing something different to the table, and that dynamic between the two of us ends up working really, really well. I think so. I think so as well. So it was fantastic. We had so much fun. Yeah. And it's fitting that we're drinking now. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> so because I mean, now that we're out of there and I mean, I remember when we went and did the alumni night too, we're like, oh man, there's this window here where you can look into the studio. Yes. That would not have been good we for us. We couldn't have snuck beers in. No. And we always did. <laughs> yep. Like we're in there just rocking out. Like we had the monitor way up. We're just playing the music so loud. Yep. Just drinking and like uh, it was our own party. But I think that's also what made the show work too. Yep. I think people sense that because it was Friday night. It was from eight to 10. Mm-hmm. And it, like people are listening to it as they get ready and po- like punk was like the thing. Right. You know, and, we like, had good timing on that. Yeah, it was a perfect Friday night show because people are like, hell yeah, I want to listen to Taking Back Sunday before I go party. And you go, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you think back on it now, you go, why? <laughs> I mean, I still do. Right, right. But like culturally, everyone was ready for these like yeah. 
you know, beta males with their big, like, floopy bangs, <laughs> just, like, screaming about their feelings, and, like, that was party music. It was it was awesome. It was so good, man. So good. And so, okay, so that's how you got involved in student media. That's a little bit 30 seconds over Broadway about actually how we reconnected. Yeah. Because yeah. we have this weird crisscrossing kind of history that goes all the way back to, like, elementary school. That's very true. Yeah. Elementary school. We went to outdoor lab together. Yeah. I, your tiny little elementary school. My elementary school was 16 kids. <laughs> that was my class. Yeah. So we were too small to like do it on our own. So we got to go with the Genesee kids. Uh, yeah. So Genesee and Lookout Mountain. Yeah. So this was Ralston Elementary School. Yeah. And all the boys in my school were smitten with you. <laughs> <laughs> They were they were uh, quite taken with you. Uh, I love this story. I, I know you do, <laughs> which is why I'm, I want to have it on the record. Like it's this fantastic <laughs> and so funny. And so, like you were dating one of the guys from your elementary school, as much as anyone dates, you yeah, know, when yeah. you're twelve. Good old Jeremy Earhart, man. yeah, <laughs> who I became pals with later in middle school too. Totally. And uh, we're like, okay, we're gonna send our best soldier across the line here, and like do our best. And so Paul Carell, like. <laughs> <laughs> made a pass or something at you and you just you were not having it uh, you're like yeah whatever guy and i we're all like oh no okay <laughs> so it it attained this sort of uh a little bit mythical status amongst us because you just shot him down like real hard that's so funny and we're like but paul's way hotter than jeremy and, you, and i remember you said this one time we were like at a campfire or like outside or something you're like it's more to life than just looks, you know. Uh, and we all go, oh, okay. Whoa. Yes. So it was awesome. <laughs> I do remember getting back from that and being like, Junior High is going to be the best. <laughs> You're like, oh, I got something here. All right. And how was Junior High for you? Oh, it was all right. Junior High was tough. Junior High sucked, except yeah. you and I were in the only club that our Junior High offered. Yes. So That part was amazing. We got to be in improv together. That's right. We got to get out of school. We got to go do skits for other local elementary schools and stuff. Yep. Um, and, which was like cool. We'd get these passes and like you get to leave and then like Sturge would take you out for fast food and stuff. Yes. It was great. So great. Yeah. So great. It's funny because fast forwarding a little bit to, to college, but I think I'm friends with, I'm friends with more of the radio kids. I'm friends with like people I met. In improv and, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm friends with those people. All the artsy people? Not not necessarily my health and exercise science. People. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also your vibe. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know, Casey, like think, think of it this way because this is true of my life. The stuff I do for work, I don't like hang out with those people outside of work. Ah, uh, this is a good point. You know, and, like, and I'm fine. I just did a podcast where we talked about the movie Office Space. And I'm kind of fine with compartmentalizing my life to an extent, mm -hmm. you know, and like yeah. I, I like having almost like different personas for who I am and how I exist in the world. Do you right. identify with that? A little bit. I think I do work with a pretty good group of people. Oh, I love the people I work with, but in that context. Right. That's true right. for me. I'm not saying it is for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to hang out with some of the people I work with more than I do, but I don't know. I'm really good friends with, with a couple people I work with. And, and that's, that's enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fine. Like, I think some people 
And this is true, particularly of companies where it's like, we're a family at this company. It's like, I don't need a family. Yeah. Like I have a family or I create my own family. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to do this for me. Right. And so, I mean, you're doing work that in many ways touches people in a way that is different than doing like some corporate PR job the way that I do it. Right. Right. And so, I mean, I think that lends itself better to a family type structure. Yeah. But it's also to say that you don't need it to be the end all be all. Right. Yeah. My, my job is you can't do it yourself. Like it does take more of a team. Oh, sure. You, know? yeah. you can't, you can't just go in and I can't do it myself. I definitely need the doctor. I need the medical assistant. Like I need all of those people Yeah. to help me do it. Yeah. Okay. So you're in health and exercise science and you have your diabetes friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, did you always have your eye on A, nursing and B, nursing and endocrinology? A little bit, actually. And I wasn't, I wasn't super sure, but I kind of pictured myself here and, and I knew that I should get some background in hospital nursing. So I figured logically that's where I would go first. And then once I had some experience, I would end up in the clinic. But then when I couldn't find a job after nursing school, my, my doctor, who's actually probably my best friend that I work with. Oh, nice. Dr. Whittem was, she's been pretty instrumental in where I am today, for sure. Both health-wise, because she's also been my doctor since I was, <laughs> you know, in college. And also professionally, she's really encouraged me and pushed me to, to do, do more with my position. That's great when you have someone like that. Man, it's so great. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky yeah, that's, that I was where I was. That's game-changing because I have had a handful of people like that, but no one that I like consistently kind of count on mm -hmm. or that I can lean on in that right. way. Yep. And so, yeah, that, I mean, what a gift and what a blessing. Such a blessing. I literally like came back for um, another diabetes checkup and she was like, I was like, yeah, I graduated nursing school. I can't find a job. And she goes, you want to work for me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. And she goes, you know, just, just, just help me out until you find a job, like whatever you're looking for. You. I was like, okay. So how many years ago was that? Oh man. Like. 11 years ago, okay. <laughs> I remember my interview was just her and her son and me at like Wendy's. <laughs> She's like, I can only pay you this much. I'm like, yep, I'm in. Wow. Totally in. That's more money than I've ever made in my life. I, I will do that. And then later she pushed for a, a huge increase. At first we were, we didn't know if they were going to have RNs in clinics. It was more medical assistance, maybe LPNs, but not RNs. Were there any like PAs there? Yep, we've got some PAs. Okay. Got got the MDs and the DOs. Okay. All those this all those eye chart stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the RN, the PA, the DO, the <laughs> Yep. We got them all. Okay, good. Um uh but yeah, it was it was kind of a a struggle to establish RN presence in the clinics. Why? Cuz they were doing okay with just medical assistance and okay. and LPNs. Yeah. Um but what, I think what, hey, I, what's, what's an LPN? Licensed practical nurse okay so it's kind of like uh they can give medications and and teach which is more than a cna a certified nurse's okay. assistant or a medical assistant um but they're not quite at at the rn level i think i think all they could, would need to do is like another year of school and then okay. they'd be able to do iv meds or something gotcha but very close to an RN degree. Yeah, so I was working with, I actually ended up working with cardiology in, in the hospital. I'd do like follow-up calls for people that came in to the heart, 
heart failure clinics. Oh, there wasn't a clinic. When they were in the hospital and they left, I would do follow-up phone calls for patients that had heart failure. Okay. Started doing that. And then, and then we just got, you know, technology increases, more patients, the doctors are supposed to see patients faster, like just more need for, for an RN position in endocrinology. And so I stopped doing the cardiac and now I'm happy in endocrinology. Okay. So in terms of nursing, I think culturally we think about this a couple of ways, right? One is nurses in like an operating room or an emergency room. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we sort of understand the role there, probably not even very well, but that's culturally kind of what we think about. And what you see on TV, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that contributes to our cultural sort of understanding of it Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, The other one that I have the most experience with is you deal with a lot of nurses after you give birth to a child. Oh yeah, I bet. So there's like, there's a lot of labor and delivery nurses. Yes. And so, and they, they have a very specific sort of skill set and things that they help you with in terms of what you do, how would you explain, I don't know how you want to do this. If it's what you do day to day or what is your reason for being there? Just like do a little bit of one one in terms of nursing yeah. and endocrinology clinic. Yeah. It's really a great place to be just cause it's more preventative, but essentially I assist the doctor's with their long-term chronic condition patients. So I think my most important role is when a patient who has an endocrinology disorder, which for those of you listening that might not know, we've got like uh, 50% people with diabetes Mm -hmm. and then a quarter thyroid patients and then probably a quarter crazy adrenal pituitary gland disorders. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. So these are glands inside your body that produce hormones that act on other glands. Okay. So when our cat had diabetes, yes, <laughs> your, your diabuddy, as you called him, my diabuddy. <laughs> so now the other cat has a thyroid problem. No way. Yeah. So like, wow. Yeah. We're meant to be friends. We sure are. <laughs> so like it was, you mentioned thyroids and I go, of course, like that makes That's perfect so sense. Weird. But yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's a glandular yep. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So you assist, like, how do you assist? What do you... So essentially, I, I I assist mostly in, I get to help the patients when they call in with a problem. So I guess you would put me in the triage nurse kind of category. Okay. So if a patient calls in and their blood sugar has been running really high for several days and they're not sure what, what the next step is, what to do to get their blood sugar back to normal, I can help talk them through that. I can help either adjust their medications through the protocols through my doctor's. Or I can say, hey, you need to come see your endocrinologist or, mm. hey, actually, you've probably just got some kind of infection. You got to go see your primary care doctor and <laughs> get on some antibiotics. Wait, how, how do you get infections with this? <laughs> it's not even related to the diabetes, but any infection oh, okay. will make your blood sugar increase. Oh, yeah. wait, why? Because your body's fighting off an infection. Okay. So your liver dumps, dumps a bunch of glucagon into your system to help you fight it. Okay. But if you're not producing enough insulin yourself, that just means your blood sugar gets all high. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Okay. And one other question I wanted to ask you, you have type one diabetes, right? Yep. I do. Okay. What is the difference between type one and type two? This is a huge question and, and a very good one. And that fair listener is where everything went to hell. The doorbell rang, the babysitter showed up, and then I got a call from my wife telling me that 
the flood where she works was bad. She was going to miss the concert, and all of a sudden, our night was thrown into disarray. Needless to say, that's where the interview stopped, at least for the moment. But it stopped at kind of a nice point, where I asked her the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So, we pick up the conversation once again with her answering that question, but you'll notice the sound quality is a little different, because we picked up the conversation 11 days later. So, I bring you that brief interlude just by way of explanation. Think of this like the interlude in the middle of Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty, where he says, Back in the day, on vinyl, people would either have to stand up or sit down to turn the record over in order to continue listening and enjoy it. So, think of it as the days when people listen to podcasts on vinyl. That was a thing, right? No? Alright, shut up. Let's get back to the interview. Here's Casey Hyde. Answering the question, what's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? So essentially the difference is is that people with type 1 diabetes, their body has, it's autoimmune. So their body has essentially attacked the beta cells, which are the cells that produce insulin. So their body cannot produce any insulin at all. And type 2 diabetes, their bodies don't produce enough insulin or their tissues are more insulin resistant. Or some combination of both of those things. So essentially, they're treated pretty similarly. Your body needs insulin, and that's how it needs to go, except that there's a whole lot of medications that work on type 2 when the only treatment for type 1 is taking insulin. Okay. I tend to associate, based on my own knowledge, type 2 with being overweight or obese. That seems to, like, they seem to go hand in hand. Is that true? And if so, why is that? A lot of, a lot of times it does. And essentially, I guess there's a, a few things that can be happening. Not necessarily everyone with type 2 is obese. Right. Um, but when, when your body is bigger, your body has to produce more insulin, which is more of a okay. challenge. <laughs> right, sure, okay. And so, I mean, that's to say not every overweight person has type 2 diabetes either. So that becomes a risk factor. Your body has to produce more insulin. That's more challenging. So as a result, you can develop diabetes from that. What are some other things that can cause type 2 diabetes to happen? Essentially, the other big one is insulin resistance, also pregnancy. Essentially, you can have gestational diabetes. Wow. You know what? You can add gestational diabetes to the litany of fun things that happen to a woman's body when she goes through pregnancy because I've watched it twice now, and, man, it is mystifying <laughs> and just in, in many ways thoroughly horrifying what women have to go through to, to carry a child and bring it into this world it's amazing i don't know how anyone does it yeah so you i mean you having type one when did you like realize that when did you learn that how how soon do people get diagnosed with that is that like something from birth or does that arise like that, that you realize yeah the diagnosis part of both of the the different kinds of diabetes are pretty significant um when your body stops producing insulin the symptoms come on very rapidly in my scenario, I had some of the symptoms leading up to it. So so essentially, if your body's not getting enough insulin, there's a bunch of sugar swimming around in your bloodstream, um, but your body can't get to that sugar. So essentially, it starts breaking down your muscles and tissues trying to get more sugar Yikes. when actually it's already drowning in sugar. Oh, okay. wow. So, so essentially, I was, I had, um, the main symptoms are, like thirst and hunger and frequent urination. I had all this for about 
um, a week or two probably coming up to my diagnosis. Okay. How old were um, you? So this is my 12th birthday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a big birthday party. I eat a ton of cake. Um, and then I just start vomiting. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. I think it was probably like 1 a.m. or something, and I was like dry heaving multiple times an hour, and finally my mom takes me to the emergency room. Yeah, and God, you guys lived up in the mountain too, so that is not exactly a quick trip either. Exactly. Yep. Went to the emergency room. They ran a bunch of tests, said I had diabetes, and they were transferring me to a different hospital, and the ambulance sang happy birthday on the way. Oh, my gosh. Dude, dude, I don't think you've ever told me that story in all the time we've known each other. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's wild. That Yeah, it's a pretty good diagnosis story. I spent <laughs> three days three days at the hospital learning what was going on and how to give insulin injections and my mom my mom was with me, she learned all that too. I I'll tell you, so you're twelve years old, now you gotta start poking yourself regularly, right? Mm-hmm. How was that? Hard. It was interesting, though, because it was so, so weird to everyone else that I kind of liked making people uncomfortable a little bit. <laughs> like, hey, hey, friend, do you want to give me my insulin injection? Come on, you can do it. Just put me right here. <laughs> and who? Someone would do it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I mean, so I, I know how skittish people get around needles mm-hmm. because... And this is one of the reasons our friendship has continued to evolve in interesting ways. In that, yes. like eight years ago, I think it was like eight years ago, that our cat Finney, Finnegan, he was diabetic. And so we had to start giving him insulin injections twice a day. Mm-hmm. And when, when you don't work around needles, when you're not in the medical field, uh, it, it feels just terrifying and like larger than life and it's like make sure there's no air in here because that could cause an embolism and kill him and you go good god like what am i even doing right (laughs) it is it's not a normal thing to do but pretty amazing that we're able to do it yeah but i mean it becomes normal though like that's the thing it just Mm -hmm. it became part of my life and so once you do it a couple of hundred times uh, (laughs) because you know i thought about this like if if we're giving him insulin injections twice a day, every day, that's 730 times a year. It's a lot. And so you get pretty good at it. And like I thought about it conservatively, I mean, I poked this cat probably 3,000 times. <laughs> and like at, at that point, you know, it, it, it becomes part of your day, but people always have like the same questions about it. When you start doing this or when you had it, how long did you go from doing like regularly having to inject yourself versus like what do you have now? Because you have something that regulates it like on a more consistent basis without you having to give yourself injections. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I started insulin pump therapy probably, oh man, how long has it been? Sometime in high school probably. Oh geez. Okay. So a while now. So 20 plus yeah. years you've been doing this. Yes. Yep, I've had an insulin pump for a really long time, um, but the technologies within the insulin pump have have come really far. The biggest improvement to treatment or the best treatment method right now, I think people really benefit from having a continuous glucose monitor. So essentially that 
is a system that will regulate, it will test your blood sugar for you. Okay. So instead of having to poke your finger and get a little blood drop and put it on a strip. Oh, Jesus. Did I like, did you, how many times a day would you have to do that? Lots. Depending on how much you are curious on what your blood sugar is, you're supposed to test before every meal and before bed. So. Oh, God. If you're exercising, you gotta test more. If you're sick, you gotta test more. If you're stressed out, you gotta test more. That sounds laborious. Yeah, it's a lot. It really is a lot. And so I think one of the big benefits of continuous glucose monitors are that they make having diabetes a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do is look at your cell phone and you know what your blood sugar is. You're gonna be way more on top of your diabetes than you otherwise would have. Okay. Here's a question. What happens if you are not on top of your diabetes, where either you're you're too high in the blood sugar level or you're too high in the insulin level? What do those two things look like? The long term consequences of long of high blood sugar are pretty pretty dangerous, um, but they're they're long term complications. So you don't see these right away. The the longer your vascular system is processing way more sugar than it should have to, it puts a lot of pressure pressure on the little venules. Essentially, things like your eyes and your kidneys have a whole lot of trouble dealing with all this extra sugar in your system. Okay, so, so like those- the workload is intense mm-hmm. on, on your organs. Like yeah. it, it's more like you're basically running your car in the red uh, is a good yes, way of thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. Right. You don't you don't see those complications in the short term. Okay, is this um, like why my boss had like one of his feet amputated? From uh, like, because I mean, he had diabetes for a long time, and so I was like 26 years old working there, and he was like our account lead, and it was weird because I got thrown into the deep end because he was going to do like hyperbaric chamber treatments, wow, like however many times a week, and so he was frequently not there, and Mm -hmm. and so I had to pick up the slack, and I learned a lot about PR in that time, as you might imagine, because hyperbaric chamber treatments take forever, like. Uh, it's it's like a long thing that they have to do, but eventually he lost that foot. Is 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 that like kind of what you're describing? Yeah, if his if his foot wasn't able to get um, good blood flow, then that can totally happen. Okay, and he was like 70 years old, and right. you know, spent a bunch of his life like drinking a lot and eating really rich food because you know they'd be eating at like this restaurant called Barolo all the time. Which is like heavy Italian, you know that kind of thing. Oh my, yeah. Yeah, and then he he smoked a lot too uh, back in the day. Like he, I don't think he had smoked in a while, but there was a time where he was a smoker too. All those things probably not leading to great health outcomes for him. Those are all the bad risk factors right there. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> when, your, when your blood sugar goes low, though, um, it's a it's a very acute emergency. Oh, okay. Um, when your brain doesn't have enough sugar, it essentially stops working. Yikes. So, so essentially people can end up in a situation where they can't fix themselves. And really, all you need to do is get some sugar into your body. Okay. But when, when your brain isn't working, you can't think, oh, I need to go get some juice, or I should eat some of those disgusting glucose tabs, or go <laughs> eat something. And so people will end up, they could go into a coma. Essentially, you'll... Okay. Go unconscious and then um, hopefully wake up at some time. Uh, 
your liver will dump out a bunch of glucose trying to wake you up ah. or it's supposed to. So that's like a like a fail safe. But if you have way too much insulin on board, there's nothing your nothing your body's going to be able to do to fix you. Wow, I did not know that. Is that sort of what? Okay, so I think we've all seen Steel Magnolias, where like the scene where Julia Roberts um, has like kind of a she has a pro like a diabetic problem when she's in that beauty salon near the beginning, and so they give her some orange juice and stuff. Do you remember this scene at all? It's like. I don't actually. It sounds familiar. Okay. I'm glad they didn't give her insulin because sometimes in movies they ah. go the exact opposite direction of what they should have done. Right. They she get. Needs <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. Uh, no, that's like the opposite of what she needs right now. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was curious about that because. That scene, like, it, it's a freaky scene. And so, you know, you've got, like, Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton and Julia Roberts. It's like, and I think Daryl Hannah's in that movie. But it kind of freaked me out because she, I think she's crashing, right, is what you're describing. Uh-huh. And so, and she's, like, freaking out. It's almost like the way she's playing it, she's not there. And so yeah. I think, like, media and pop culture is a lot of our entry points into understanding this stuff. And it's so frustrating when they get it wrong. Well, it sounds like they did pretty well. I mean, honestly, you, you, you just start to not be able to, to think right. Wow. I have a really good low blood sugar story. My favorite one was okay. <laughs> I uh, rode my bike downtown to go see an Against Me show, Fort Collins. And I remember beforehand we had a couple of beers and we stashed them in the bushes, right, mm-hmm. for afterwards. And then... During the show, I remember kind of losing all my friends and getting really confused. And the show was over, and I went back to where the beers were, and they were gone. And I was like, oh, yeah, I parked my bike on the other side of town. So I started walking to my bike, and then I walked by Safeway, and I was like, man, I'm hungry. So I walk into Safeway. I grab an apple and an orange and like a bag of Starbursts, and I walk out of Safeway. I just kept walking, and I remember distinctly some kid looked at me and said, hey, do you need to pay for those? But in my brain, it made no sense. So I just (laughs) kept walking out the door. Wow. And then I started to eat the apple, and eventually my brain came too, and I was like, oh, no, I just stole this stuff from Safeway. (laughs) Should I go back? Nope, it's past midnight. They're totally closed. (laughs) <laughs> Did you remember where your bike was and stuff at that point? Yeah. Oh yeah, it all worked out. It all worked out in the end, but I, but, but scary to think of what could have happened, you know? Totally. The funniest part is like, I had a bunch of sugar in my backpack the entire night. <laughs> I just didn't think to eat it. Oh, because your brain is not working properly. It's not working. Damn. Yeah. Dude, that's wild. And it's, it's amazing hearing you talk about this because I remember in one of the dumb, like, college health classes I took where, you know, it was, like, the one where you have to watch the STD slideshow for, like, the fifth time. Yeah. During that, you know, we were talking about the different systems. So circulatory system, digestive system, endocrine system. And they were talking about risk factors to things that would damage all those. And a risk factor for all of them was smoking. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, how? Like, for... Why, why would smoking contribute to bowel cancer? I'm not shoving this cigarette up my ass. Like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? 
But it took me a minute, and I go, oh, you know what? It's a circulatory system because you're breathing this terrible substance into your lungs. Your blood passes through to get oxygen, and that goes to every part of your body. I go, oh, right. That's why smoking is so insidious. Every part of your body. Yeah, like uh-huh. every single one. And so, like, yeah. cigarettes are, and I say this as someone who smoked for a long time, but they're almost, like, perfectly engineered to kill you in such interesting ways. Yeah, and long ones, kind of like type 2 diabetes. <laughs> Not urgent. It's like way down the line. You're going to start having all kinds of problems and strokes. And Okay, so that, that brings me to another question. You said type 1 is autoimmune, and that's, is that, like, genetic? Is that, like... We don't know where that comes from, do we? Or do we? Yeah, we don't really know where it comes from. Okay. Yeah. And then there, there's a bunch of theories and on what causes type one to happen, but it all comes down to risk factors and the luck of the draw, I suppose. Yeah, I mean it, that's that's sort of the the beauty and the frustration of the human body, right? Because you, you can't say going back to cigarettes, you can't say they cause cancer directly, like. Like, right. it, it's not that causal relationship. It's not X leads to Y leads to Z. Like, that just, that doesn't happen. Yep. And so, like, it's certainly a risk factor and it's it's contributing, but the human body is just so weird like that. The other thing I wanted to ask you was type 2, can you get rid of that? Like, if you have it, can you get to a point where your body is less insulin resistant or maybe it's working less hard? Like, can you get rid of type 2? Yeah, yeah, you can. In most cases, not in all cases. Sure. Again. Um, but yes, some people will go in for bariatric surgery and um, lose a bunch of weight and their diabetes will be gone. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing. And and a lot of people, I think that's kind of why we have this whole uh, pre-diabetes category. So when your physician will see your blood sugar start to be elevate, elevated, if you hit certain levels get a diagnosis of pre-diabetes but pre-diabetes can definitely be reversed and that happens a whole lot more than having diabetes being reversed sure is if you have pre-diabetes and you're able to exercise and eat well and lose weight and and do all of those healthy things then you can avoid having a diagnosis of diabetes okay i think it's really cool that You've taken this, the, you know, and it hits you when you're 12. Like, that's a real sort of tough spot to have this life-changing thing happen to you. Uh, it really is. And it's funny because it happens a lot at that age. Huh. Yeah, and I think it might have to do, you know, hormones and stress and a lot of other things can kind of set it off at that time. But it's interesting because being a teenager is hard enough. Having to deal with type 1 diabetes is pretty difficult at that same time. Yeah, that's... It's got to be frustrating. And that leads me to a question. Like, I think it's so cool that you've turned this into, like, kind of your life's work. Because I know you raise money. um, You know, you do bike rides for it and stuff. But I'm curious, like, are you or were you ever resentful of the fact that you have to deal with this when so many others don't? Or is that something that maybe affected you in the past and you're over it now? Or does it ever creep back in? I'm just curious how you deal with that. It's a really good question. Um, there was definitely a time where I went through the whole why me phase for sure. I remember being in elementary school and I had just been diagnosed and this, this one kid named Zach decided he was going to like tease me about not being able to eat a cookie. And I just remember like 
him being like, you can't eat this cookie. You can't eat this cookie. It's so good. Like eating in front just of me. Just taunting you. It was awful. And I just remember going to the bathroom and like crying. Uh, but now looking back, I definitely would have just ate the cookie. Cause you know what? <laughs> it's not, it's not actually going to end my life if I eat that cookie. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that cookie is not life or death in that particular moment. Like no, it's, it's no, not. It is. It's not like red pill, blue pill, like from the Matrix. Right. Yeah, okay. Definitely is it. If I eat that cookie, you know, multiple times a day, every day, it's definitely going to cause some problems. But, <laughs> sure. Um, I, I do remember when I was in the hospital, like being in a hospital and seeing the nurses and the doctors and how they treat you really does give you a good insight into the healthcare system, at least a little bit, and on the patient side. But I, I feel like I'm a better nurse because I've had that experience. Sure. I have, have been on that end of, of healthcare, and I still I still am, you know. One of my best coworkers is is also my physician, so it's a, a huge benefit yeah. to, to being on both sides of that of that scale. Well, it gives you instant credibility with your patients as well, which is nice because it's like, look, I deal with this too. Like literally yeah. we're in the same boat and I've been dealing with this for how many years now? Like how many decades have I been dealing with this? And I imagine mm-hmm. you get a lot of that when people come in and all of a sudden they're newly like type two or whatever. I imagine yeah. that requires some coaching. It's a real, that's a really good point. Um, I remember when I first started working um, in the endocrinology clinic, often I would go in and do some sort of teaching with, with a patient with newly diagnosed diabetes. And then I'd go out of the room and then, uh, Dr. Widom would say, Hey, uh, they're actually kind of interested in an insulin pump. You want to go back in and, and kind of show them what the technology is available. And the second I walked in, it was like, here's my insulin pump. You could just see it on their face. They were like, Oh, you really do know. Maybe <laughs> to you <laughs> totally yeah like what a neat parlor trick when you get right down to it <laughs> yes it's always a fine line of, of sharing though I'm, I'm i think i'm a little bit more hesitant to share like i don't always share right away i keep it to myself unless unless those situations come up well casey it's like if you've ever played cards you don't need to show every single card you're holding to the rest of the table all at once. Like, like wait for these opportunities to arise. And then it's nice because you have this like kind of in your hip pocket and you can be like, Oh, so you said this or you prompted this and I can respond with this. Like that's, yes. that's a nice thing to have. It really is the great thing to have in your back pocket. And it means something different to, to every different person in different situations. And it's, Nice to be able to, to bring it up when I need to. For sure. So obviously you found your niche in this endocrinology clinic doing this work and helping shepherd people through what I imagine, I mean, has challenges that we've touched on here, but I imagine can't even go much deeper than, than time will allow here. But I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you because I think you just did this for the first time. You, uh, you were in at a hospital because hospitals need help right now. And I got to ask you, how was it? Oh my gosh, it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Last Friday, I had my first ship shift working in the hospital, and I worked on the COVID unit, and I only worked an eight-hour shift, which is nothing in the world of hospital nurses who work 12-hour shifts, but, but it was hard, and it was long, and 
the whole PPE thing and all of the different protocols was, was really challenging. And these patients weren't as grateful as our endocrinology patients are ah. in general. Usually in endocrinology, they're like, oh, good, I feel so much better. You're giving me this hormone I usually don't have. I feel better. Um, thanks for thanks for doing that for me. But the, these patients, I mean, they're stuck in the hospital because they have COVID, and they weren't mean to me or anything. But I didn't get the the short-term gratification that I do in endocrinology. Yeah, you didn't get the warm fuzzies that are normally no. associated. <laughs> no, I didn't. Which which makes sense because I didn't know what I was doing in there. I was like the first time I'd really been working in a hospital and I couldn't even document anything. I was literally just the helper and got to give give people baths. So it was quite the experience. Wow, yeah, that is much different than your normal day. Um that's for sure. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, I mean, we're, we're certainly grateful that you're doing that. And I know your employer has provided some incentives to do that because the help is, is needed. But I mean, my God, without people like you, where would we be? So I, I hope that, I, I, I hope that feeling is able to translate into like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. And hopefully this doesn't last forever. It absolutely is. It's gave me a, a whole new respect, one, for hospital nurses and how difficult that job is. And I understand why they're all leaving because it is awful right now. Um, but number two, um, even more respect for my current job and how amazing my, my clinic life RN position is. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Um, and so how long, you're, you're doing it like one day a week, right? How, how long are you doing this for? Yeah, they signed me up for, so the, the, they know that we're going to need extra help for the next six weeks. So one day a week for the next six weeks, for sure. And then they'll reassess from there. And if they don't need me, they'll let me go. But I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, um, I mean, from the outside looking in, I, again, I'm grateful for people like you. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Yeah. I'm glad I had the opportunity to help, like in a very real way. That's been pretty, pretty satisfying. Yeah. No joke. I mean, that it's tangible. You're on the ground. You're there. You're in the hospital. I, I'm not going to any hospital. I have no medical training. I can't provide any value. But what I do have is this platform. So, I mean, we can talk about it in a real way and help spread some knowledge and hopefully get people to a place that is higher than when they came in listening to this show. And so, like, increase the understanding and increase the good vibes and the respect and appreciation for the work that folks like you do. That's right. And a lot of things are, are playing into the whole situation right now. But it But it is interesting to see that all of the patients... It, that have COVID and that are in the hospitals, um, 80% of them are not vaccinated. Yeah. That statistic's pretty, pretty t telling. It's a lot like with, uh, the smoking, right? I mean, it like, th there's a lot of correlation here. Yes. Uh, to where you can minimize the risk factors and it's really not that hard. Like, right. like come on. Like, it's, it's like we talked about with, uh, Henry Rollins. I, this was on my show. With this guy, Andy Thomas, he's like Henry Rollins, like lecturing punks about recognizing the rights of LGBT people. He's like, yes. it's a curb that is this high. Like you could literally trip over it. All you got to do is lift your foot this high and you'll get there. It's like that with the vaccines to me. It's a really hard, um, 
I don't know why it's so hard. <laughs> I, it, I, I don't get it either, but it's brought up problems twofold. I had, um, one of my coworkers left cause she didn't want to get vaccinated. I, it's like, I think the statistic is like, uh, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's a whole lot of nurses that aren't going to get vaccinated, which is kind of mystifying. <laughs> it's very much mystifying <laughs> because I was thinking about this when we were at, you know, cause we've been to concerts together. And so like recently when we recorded the first half of this, it was right before we went and got our faces melted off by Lagwagon, which was such a great yes. show. But I looked around and I thought, like, this is still, like, the same scumbag group of punks that, I, like, has always come to this show. But I feel good about it because they all have this base level of intelligence to where it's like, oh, yeah, I can take, like, <laughs> what, like, 0.001% of my week and go get vaccinated. Like, it's really, really not that hard. And now we're all in here and I feel much better about everything. Absolutely. Just the fact that the, the venue's able to say, hey, we just need, you know, proof of vaccination and then you guys can all come in here and treat each other with respect and um, enjoy the show. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you are one of my favorite people to go to shows with. <clears throat> also, I am grateful for you because you helped us out a lot with Finn, whether it was just the benefit of your experience, the benefit of your insight, or sometimes, you know, you have your personal stash of insulin. And you, <laughs> the Finsulin for, for Finney, you'd hook us up with that sometimes, which was great because like even just like these tiny little like vials that cost hundreds of dollars, which by the way, put that to a vote, like bring down the cost of insulin. I will vote for it because Absolutely. I mean, it, like that's, that's out of control, but it would last us like three months, you know, and you, I remember you telling me, you're like, I would go through that in a matter of what, like a couple of days? A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, okay. Um, it would, yeah, and it would last us a quarter of a year. It was, it was easy to do, and I'm glad I got to help out. I'm glad that I, I do just, just the same way with my job. You know, I'm able to help out in a lot of ways, um, that are, that are a little bit, a little bit above and beyond because I'm also type one and I'm, doing it right with my patients yeah you're gonna be you're gonna be riding this as long as as you have to that's right all right well casey this is the time of the show when we do plugs is there anything you want to plug do you want to plug the clinic you work for do you want to plug anything personally any social media anything at all you can plug uh the floor is yours i do want to plug my type one support group i have started um started a support group about five years ago um, and it's, it's grown pretty significantly. We've got a Facebook group. It's called type one, NOCO, N-O-C-O group page on Facebook. And if you're not into Facebook, just send an email to type one, NOCO at gmail.com. And I'll add you to our mailing list. If you know anyone with type one, um, if you're friends with anyone that has type one, pass that on. It's a great place to have a community and ask questions and complain and people understand what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, that's fantastic. I will plug it in the companion blog piece that's on johnofalltrades.us. Also in the show notes, if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your pods, I'm there. And so you can find it in the show notes, no matter what platform you're listening on. So Casey, it's so funny. 
I have done this show for so long, and we hang out fairly frequently, which is nice, especially considering we live like an hour apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I see you with more regularity than certain people I live in this same town with, which I, I really, really appreciate. But I'm glad we got to do this on the record. I adore you. I appreciate the work that you're doing, and I cannot wait for many more happy times together. So I wish you continued success. Thanks so much for having me. I've been wondering when was going to be my chance to, to be on the, the John of All Trades podcast. Oh, girl, you got to speak up then. Come on. <laughs> like, you're not shy with me about anything else. <laughs> it, it was really fun. All Thanks right. for having me. All right, you got it, pal. And that'll do it for episode 311 of the John of All Trades podcast with Casey Hyde. Man, what a pleasure. What a privilege. I see her a lot. But getting to do this on the record was really, really fun. So thanks, Casey, for being on the show. Cannot wait till I see you again face-to-face, Bouncing Souls, and The Suicide Machine. What an amazing show that's going to be. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communication. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Do all manner of traditional PR. Also a podcast producer. In addition to this show, I produce six others. So if you have an idea or an interest in doing a podcast, hit me up. I can help you. The email is john, J-O-N, at deftcom.us. The John of All Trades podcasts. Check out all of my episodes at johnofalltrades.us. That's J-O-N of alltrades.us. I have more than 350 total episodes in the archive. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Available on Podcatchers Everywhere. You heard me allude to that. iTunes, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Episode previews go up on Mondays. That's Facebook only. J-O-A-T pod is the handle. That's true of all social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. As long as you're on the podcatcher, leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, brand new episodes will come directly to you. I'm out of here for this week. Already got another episode in the can. Cannot wait for you to hear it. That's a fun chat as well. Getting close to closing out the year here, and I've got a slate of killer episodes to close out the year. Going strong into 2022. So, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Thank you for listening. I adore you, and until I hear you again... Say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.